0: Hey, Stephanie Gotts, you got a second to talk about Guardian Vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing. Yes. Um, and I'm sure you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up and the doctors are busy and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vets. This is a service where you have uh, registered technicians uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch. And uh, guardian vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk, and they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend.
1: Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after-hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well. Which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is short-handed, everybody is drowning in phone calls, and so we talk about it. We've talked about Guardian Vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that?
0: (laughs) Guys, if you're not familiar with Guardian Vets, if you think that you could use some help on the the phones or up at the front desk, check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com.
1: Hey everybody, I am Stephanie Goss and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. So this week on the podcast, Andy and I got an email in the mailbag and it is from a doctor who asked us ultimately a question. Can you lead people to water and make them drink? (laughs) The answer to this is no. And therefore Andy and I are taking you on another journey to camp tough love with this one. (laughs) That's right. We've got a doctor who is looking at a practice that maybe isn't all that they want it to be. And they're wondering, how do I change this practice? The answer is They are answering their own question in the email, but we've got some ideas and we had a lot of fun diving into this one. So let's get into it, shall we?
0: And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke and Stephanie. Uh, You can't make me love you gosh. That's (laughs) not what it is. Uh, No. (laughs) I can't make you love me. Is that what it is? <laughs> can't make me. So, help me out, Goss. I I don't know. I don't even know you where did. you're going with that. <laughs> can't make me love you. so Now I can't even remember what song it's from. I can't make you love me. Is that what it's called? All right. Ah. Oh, I had it in my head, and then when the when when the pressure was on, I was like, I can't remember. I can't remember the remember lyrics. The song. <laughs> uh, yeah. I can't make you love me. I do mean, anyway. Um,
1: how? <laughs> <hello>. Anyways, hi. <laughs> how, how? are things?
0: Uh, things are good. How are things with you? Oh, they're crazy. It's, it's first week. <laughs> it's first week of school of new school, new school. So yes. I got one kid that's going to middle school for the first time, and I got one kid that's going to high school for the first time. And uh, it's been a insane. hectic, stressful week. Oh, it's insane. And the most insane part are parents learning <laughs> the traffic pattern <laughs> at the school. And that is True. a real problem. This high school, like, let's be honest, let's, there's, um, I think that the most torturous part of taking my kid to high school, was the idea, this, this, picture this, this high school was taken and it was plopped down on a, a couple of two-lane roads. And this okay. is a big A high school. And there is no way, no way, that the infrastructure of this high school can handle the number of students driving themselves, which is already horrifying. Right. Uh, and and parents dropping their kids off. It's just complete pandemonium. And right. It, absolutely baffled my wife on the first day <laughs> and I was like how do we do and I went the second day and I you'll see like so first of all my wife is uh, she's a perfectionist grade A like near perfect score on the SAT like just she gets it right and she knows the rules and she follows the rules <laughs> and on the first day driving my kid I I was like stuck in traffic and I see children everywhere just walking through like you know down the sure. road and I'm like where are all these kids coming from? Like, there's like thousands of kids wandering to the school. Like, they don't live in this neighborhood. What is happening? And then I was like, Oh, everyone else has already given up on this system, <laughs> and they're just <laughs> dumping their kids off a block and a half away from school. I'm like, That's the only explanation. So I started driving around the neighborhoods around the school, and I saw. I was like, oh, I see it. Sure. And I'm catching. I'm catching people. They just. And I went home and I told my wife. And I was like, Forget this. Dropping, we're dropping Jacqueline off at Half Mile Lake. Uh, you know, like a half, a half mile, a half mile from the high school. It should be called Half Mile from the High School Lake, and it should have a little drop-off zone. Um, and Allison was like, "Oh no, oh no, you have to go through the car line and drop our child there." Huh. And and that yeah and then you have to drop the child off. and that brings me to something that I have really learned in the last few months. Stephanie Goss, I have learned that I don't know why it took me 45 years to learn. This. <laughs> there are moments in my life when I can choose peace, huh or or I can choose engagement and, <laughs> and and to defend myself in my position and I have learned that I choose peace and so she says, no, you have to go through the drop-off line and I said, Hmm. Well, I think it's admirable that you that you do that, and and that was the end of the conversation. It was, <laughs> you, you know, what if you have if you have to go through the drop off line, I'm not going to talk you out of it. But my and it was, the funny thing it was, my high school daughter just looked at me was like she gave me. It was awesome. It was this inside father daughter. She gave me. She's in high school. She doesn't want to get dropped off by me and my Subaru, uh-huh. right, in front of the high school. She's like half mile lake. It is, Dad. I'm like yeah. And so,
1: I, I can totally imagine the, the look on Allison's
0: face. Like no, she's you like, actually no. follow the rules and do the yeah. thing. She's like, here's a series of eight different streets that you can take <laughs> to get you close to the drop off. And then only one person has to be nice and let you in. And th- and then you can drop the kid off. And nope. I was like, hard. Or, or I can just slow down and she can tuck and roll. Jump out. Uh, yeah. Like a freaking airdrop. Like I just the doors open. I'm like, go, uh-huh. go, go. <laughs> and out she goes. And and like we're both happy with that, yeah. And so, yeah, she's that's... like, "How long?" She's like, "How long were you in the car line?" And I was like, Phew. "You know, car lines are they're tough. They're tough." And that's all I'm into. like, "Car lines are tough. How long were you in the line, though?" You know, honey, it's it's not it's not about the minutes oh in line. God. It's really about just be, being at peace with the choices that we make and how important education is. That's really what I think about. <laughs>
1: It explains so much why we make, like we make why we make such good partners because I'm oh. <laughs> I'm 100% the same way. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. I'm going to like literally I so my kids don't have gone to public school since the pandemic started, but when they were still at sure. public school, I, I can't I can't with the carpool line. And I, they oh, have man. always taken the bus, but occasionally there would be some reason why they would have to get to school before the bus could get them there or whatever. And I was out. I'm like, you have your backpack on, you strap into your car seat. I'm literally gonna roll up, you're gonna open the door, you're gonna jump out, and I'm done. I'm not sitting here, I'm not messing around. Like let's screw this because those lines are ridiculous and fierce. And I'm just like and my the, my kids were like, Okay, we're on it, like jumping out of like jumping out of a plane. That was that was it. Bye mom. Yeah. Slam the door. Goodbye. Let's oh, yeah. go oh, on like, the own way. So,
0: oh I I have my rebellion really came and this is so so first the first lesson of this podcast is uh <laughs> protect your peace. Uh, you don't have to be right. You can just let people believe things that they want to believe. Sometimes, sure. forty-five years, ladies and gentlemen, it took me to realize <laughs> that I can just go okay and, and go on with my life. And uh-huh. I, I don't know. Yeah, I feel real grown up. And then so that's the first lesson is protect your peace. You don't have to be right. You can just you can let someone be wrong and just mm-hmm. go on and be sure. at peace with yourself. Sure. And the other part is is this. Um, And here, here's the story. So this started, all this started back when I had one kid in elementary school and one kid in middle school. So sure. last year. So last year I had a kid in middle school and a kid in elementary school. And when you go pick your kid up at, at this elementary school, it is a well-oiled machine. Sure. Like if, if, if the Germans ran a carpool line, like BMW put together a carpool line. This is the carpool line they would put together. It's just ka-chunk ka-chunk ka-chunk. Just plugging kids into cars. Boom, boom, boom. It is like a three-minute carpool line. The principal of the school has a walkie-talkie, and he is at the driveway, at the entrance of the driveway. And everyone has cards, and he's pointing at each parent, so you know <laughs> that you were seen because he points right at you, and you say him say your kid's number into right. the walkie-talkie, right. and the and and people are just scurrying back at the school and they're just snatching sure. kids up and just boom and man that line moves the middle school which is dealing with kids that are you know don't um, want to listen to adults anymore but <laughs> but honestly objectively speaking they're smarter people sure like <laughs> They're smarter than the elementary school. Like objectively speaking, they have they have they have twice as much life experience as oh, the kids gosh. in elementary school. <laughs> and it should, like they, they, they should be a this should go better because you're dealing with people with twice as much life experience. It is a complete shit show at the middle school, right? There is no one at the car line. Kids are literally wandering along the line of cars looking for their family. like, And they're not, not on the sidewalk. They're like in between right, in the, the cars, like wandering. <laughs> the, they're completely lost. And then one parent can't find their kid. And so they just stop. Right. And every in the other of parent Yes, and every other parent <laughs> waits for, boy, in the elementary school, if you can't find your kid- Get out of that, line and like, come back. Yeah, you're, get out of line, and they are on it, like they are on it. They will shake yes. your car if you don't move it. Oh yeah. And, um, and I tell you, I'm only so aware of the middle school line because once you've been through the elementary school line, you're spoiled. Yes. You know what I mean? And I'm like, th- and the two schools share a piece of land. There's like a big <laughs> field and one school is in one corner and the other school's in the other corner. And one of them, you could just see the other, the elementary school parents just plowing through and you're sitting there for a long periods of time. And the fact that you can see someone else who is running a system that is working and you're just sitting still makes you so painfully aware and irritated because you know how much better this could be and it's just not because people don't have their stuff together and so that is the other the other lesson in leadership is boy if people see what a good thing is and then you don't give it to them they recognize it. and uh, anyway those are my two life lessons from the carpool lane so far this year
1: so everybody's like okay they're off the rails already
0: (laughs) yeah they were like that was a solid 10 minutes of carpool metaphors. I'm telling you, there's gold in that. Listen to that 10 minutes again.
1: (laughs) I actually think that there's some lessons in that, in that last story about our question today. So uh, we got a great question in the mailbag from a doctor who is looking at starting to work with the practice. Now they are not currently employed at this practice. So uh, that's how it has to start. They're not currently employed, but they're looking at a practice and they have recognized that this practice does not utilize the team in a productive, way the doctors are basically being doctors and technicians because there is one technician for three doctors and the technician is doing assistant work like nail trims and drawing blood work versus utilizing her technical skills as a licensed technician so that's problem number one uh problem number two is that they said okay well so of course because of that it seems like the doctors are on the edge of burnout maybe some of them are already there and mm-hmm. they said you know I'm a doctor I've I've been out of practice for quite some time and I've worked in plenty of practices that just have kind of given up saying that you know well we just have to work with what we've got cuz we're rural and we don't we don't have a lot of a large talent pool and so it just is what it is right and so they are like well if I join this practice I'm going to have more experience than some of the other doctors mm-hmm. um and so I am wondering how I or could I even hope to come to them as the new fresh face and be able to bring my experience to the table and say, look, I think we could change this. I think we could be happier. I think that we could be more productive, but it requires change. And And their question was, can you lead people to water and make them drink. Can I hope to change this practice? And how do I start that conversation with grace if there's any hope there? Right. Yeah. Uh, and I just uh, thought that this was such a great question. And I do think that there's some hidden lessons in your
0: in your carpool, oh, <laughs> in sure. your carpool yeah. soapbox that relate to this. Yeah. If people haven't learned. Uh, the reason that I tell stories at the very beginning is often that they do tie in to the point. Of the not, al- I will say, not always. Sometimes I'm just chasing deer out of the yard with a cowbell and it doesn't have anything to do with anything else. But often these things are tied together and it's because I'm thinking about what we're going to say and then I'm just thinking about what's happening in my life and I put them together. Anyway, I love this question. Uh, this person doesn't need an answer from us. Like they literally said, "Can you lead people to water and make them drink?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry, if you're writing an email to the podcast about leading people to water and making them drink, like the whole reason people say <laughs> the whole thing about the horse <laughs> leading to water and making them drink is that you can't, can't do it." <laughs> like, it's the whole point of the saying. Like that's where you guys you yeah <laughs> I um, was like, well, you could, you could
1: force them to drink. If you force people to inhale water, they drown. <laughs> and a yeah, lot of times what, they
0: probably die. Here's what I love, is the person who wrote to us sees the situation so clearly. They actually summed it up as, can you lead these people to water and make them <laughs> drink? I'm like, "You, <laughs> you, your read on this is so good. <laughs> it's so good that it, I have bad news for you. It's You've given us the answer. Uh, yeah, you us the answer. It's Okay. Yes and no. Yes and no. But I wanted to hit on that at the very beginning because let's call it spade a spade. I I don't want to drag people along like yeah. What's <laughs> what's he? You I can't make you love me. You can't make me love you. I don't remember. It was one of those. You can't make them love you if they don't. Uh, I think is how it goes. Anyway, they the person writing in has got a pretty good read on this. I'm going to call it spade a spade here and say mm, this this looks dicey. I'm just going to be honest. It looks dicey. There's some things we can do that might work, but it's gonna be a bit of a long game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my question to this person was, why do you why do you want this job? Uh, why do you want this job? Yes. You know, if like in, in all seriousness, and and again, I hate I hate when people ask us questions and I, I say things back to them that are that are hard. Now I don't want it to just shake people up, but my question back, and I get the I get the impression this is a mixed animal practitioner who's got a pretty matter-of-fact style. And I would say to this person, why do you want this job? You're looking at this and you see these people working themselves to death and not using their techs. And, you know, um, and just hustling all over the place. And you're like, yeah, that's the place for me uh, with the job market that we have now. Um, Why is that? And I just I suspect that there's probably a good reason. It's probably uh, they're in a very rural era or something like that. But but that'd be the first thing I would sort of say is given that you're already looking at this and wondering about it. Are you sure that this is the job you want? Um, and so let me, let me just ask that. If, if you're going to take this job, I think the first, and we're talking headspace now, as we always start out with headspace. My first thing is realistic expectations, right? This is the way this practice has run for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you might be the most senior vet when you come in. That doesn't matter. That's how they've done it. From the mm-hmm. top to the bottom, everyone has run this way. This is their normal And that's how they feel comfortable. And Mm -hmm. even if you try to get them to change to a better way, change is still scary. Even if it is undoubtedly better, it's still hard and scary. And you're getting a big group of people to to move. And these people don't know you. You're brand new. You don't have strength of relationship or, or a lot of trust built up in the trust account. Sure. And so... Can you make this work? Yeah. I, I I mean, I think you can. There's a chance you can. Yeah. We. It really depends a lot on how they respond to the things that I'm going to recommend for you to try, but, but it's possible. I would just say have realistic expectations that this is going to be an ongoing source of, uh, I, I hope it's not frustration, but it's going to be a sustained effort on the part of our writer to integrate into this and to not get swept up in the chaos.
1: Yeah, my my thought from a headspace perspective was very similar to yours, which is that um, (laughs) asking yourself the question, why why this job? For me, it was like Mm -hmm. this feels from what the writer has given us like a situation where don't be blind, like look at look at it, look at it and call the spade a spade, and then ask yourself the question of why. Because there may be a real driving factor. Geography plays a part for a lot of areas of the country where there's, you know, people are there because maybe their parents are there, or their their spouse has a job there, or whatever. Whatever the reasons, you've got to understand your why before you go into it, because you cannot go into this blind. You've already told us this is a situation that is less than your ideal. And so for me, in order to get into a good headspace and think about what an action plan would look like, it I agree with you. It has to start with like, why are you doing this? Don't be, don't be blind about it. Like do your homework and then figure out how do you move forward with all of that in mind. And I think the the, the other piece of headspace for me, other than <laughs> what we've already talked about there's really only one other one for me which is recognizing from the beginning that if it doesn't feel like it could be a perfect fit right and it feels like you already have significant challenges you I think you have to go into it recognizing that there is probable impermanence to this decision and so probable i don't think probable <laughs> impermanence yeah i like it like i like you it may It it may go wonderfully and surprise you and could turn out to be your dream job. But from the descriptor we got, this is not your dream job. And so the probability that this is an impermanent situation and this is a trial run is very high. And so from a headspace perspective, for me, it's about recognizing that. And if you are okay with that, sure, go ahead if the, all the other reasons line up, like there's got to be some driving factor or to your point, Andy, with all of the jobs out there, if there wasn't driving factors, you wouldn't even be asking this question. So right. recognizing that the driving factors exist, fine. But you also have to, don't go into it blindly, recognize that this may not be a permanent
0: solution and be okay with that. Yep, totally. I, I And I think that that's, I think that's really key. And again, it just goes back to two expectations. One of, the, one of the boundary things that, And I say this because it it has helped me a lot in my career. There are times when you go into situations like this and the healthiest thing you can do is in your mind, headspace, uh, decide this is just a job. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not defining me. This is not my dream job. This might not last for more than a year. Uh, You know, it might be a one. And that's it. You you sign a one-year contract. for the like. That's why I I was like, hey, I, I think it takes a lot of pressure off people. People are like, I have to take the right job. And I'm like, it's a one-year contract. You know, we're gonna do this for a year, and then you're gonna see decide what happens. exactly: Am I staying here, or am I gonna go do something else now? And that is all the weight that there is to it. And if you put that in your mind, it will take a lot of pressure off of off of your shoulders to get things right. So yep. anyway, um, this is a one-year contract. It's just a job. We're gonna see where how it goes. It is not going to make or break your success as a veterinarian, anything like that. So those are the big things for me. As as far as just headspace, um, protect. Uh, protect your, protect your peace. Just like I said at the very beginning, Um, this might not end well and that's okay. Yeah. You might, you might try to tell these people and honestly, this is exactly why I told the story. Um, You might tell these people, there is a better way and they go, but you can't do it that way. You have to go in the car line and you have to be able to say, okay, okay. (laughs) You know, you know what? That's, that's the thing. I don't have to go in the car line, but uh-huh. you know, okay. But that's again. I don't even really like that. I'm always a who's like, I want to get on board with what people are doing, but at the same time, I I am not going to sacrifice my myself, you know, my my happiness, my mental health, you know, um, just just because everyone around me is doing that. Yeah. Um, anyway, th- those would be the things I'd put forward in headspace is protect protect your peace going in. So that's it. Now every i think it's i think we have done a good job of being like woof um now it's time for us to actually talk about like what do, what are what are we going to do here so let's say we take this job and we're going into it i am not fatalistic i am a positive optimistic upbeat person mm-hmm. i want i'm going to play the best game that i can with the cards that i'm dealt and so before we do this actually let's take a break and then you and i will come back and we will talk about How do we play these cards? What is our best shot for making this into something workable in the short term that might actually turn into something really good in the long term?
1: Yep, I like it. Hey everyone, I just wanna make sure that you know about some upcoming events from Uncharted that you are not gonna wanna miss we have a workshop that is happening in October, and it is the wonderful, the amazing Melissa Enchkin, LVT. For those of you who don't know Melissa, she is an amazing technician, and she helps out our team on the Dr. Andy Rourke side of things, on the medicine side of things, and she is doing her very first uncharted thing, and I am so excited about this. Melissa is going to be leading a workshop for us in October. It is happening. October 19th, and it is called Leveraging Technicians, Making Practice Less Stressful for You, Them, and Your Patients. I cannot wait for this one. It is going to be happening at 7 p.m. Eastern, so that's 4 p.m. Pacific on the 19th, and it will be a two-hour workshop, which means it'll be over at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. It is, as always, free to our members. So if you are an Uncharted member, head on over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash events you can click the register button and register for free. And if you're not a member of Uncharted, you can join us. It's $99 for the workshop, or you can look at all of the awesome upcoming events that we have. And it may make sense very quickly for you to say, hey, I'd like to get an Uncharted membership because you get all of this stuff for free. So come join us for Melissa's workshop. You don't want to miss it. And hopefully we'll see you in the community soon. And now back to the podcast.
0: All right. so. We are gonna go ahead and talk about um let how do how do we kick this thing off? So, Stephanie, you've taken the job. You are the doctor, you have signed on the dotted line, you're in this thing for a one year contract. What are you what are the steps that you're gonna to start to take to actually try to make this thing fly? Yeah.
1: So the question that I have that is part of my answer to your question is sure. are you because I think so they asked two more questions, right? They said, "Can I hope to change this practice?" And then, "How do I start the conversation?" So for the "Can I hope to change this practice" piece, I think the other piece that falls between headspace and action for me is: Are you stepping into a position, a position of positional power within the clinic where you actually can enact change? Are you buying into the practice, or are you stepping in as a as a leader, medical director, senior doctor, whatever? Because if the answer, the the path, I think that you take to addressing it. There is one path that is I've signed a one year contract. I'm just a I'm just a staff veterinarian. I'm an I'm an associate. I don't have a I don't have a responsibility or the authority to mm-hmm. implement changes. That feels very different than are you actually stepping into a position where you can make decisions and, sure. um, you know, can it impact question. it. So that would that would be part of the question for me because going back to Uh, Where we wrapped up with headspace, I think if you are stepping into a position as a leader, um, the headspace piece of it there is you pulled it out is this is a long term play. Like if you're yeah. stepping in and you you can make change, this is not a one-year change plan. This is a long-term right. change plan. And so I think that's important to think about for a minute. But if you're stepping in and you're like, I'm an associate vet, I'm going to sign a one-year contract and I'm going to see, that's where I think for me, the the third question they asked is most relevant, which is how do I start the conversation? How do I start that process? Um, I think that looks a lot different from that seat than it does from a seat of, I actually have power and authority to make some of these
0: changes on my own or with the rest of the group i don't think it looks as different as most people would believe it does i hear what you're saying about like being the medical director and coming in you do have some positional power but i think i think i just want to dissuade anyone out there who hears this and goes oh yeah if you're the medical director you can totally change it i'm like oh i I don't think it's any easier no (laughs) that's exactly it yeah yeah it is a it's a different it's a it look it's different i do agree it's different i'm not that much more optimistic in and i'm not that much more optimistic in being the medical director versus being a regular doctor because um having positional power is nice relationship power is what gets people to actually change they have to trust you and believe that that what you're doing makes sense and that they can get on board with what you're doing and and that they're going to be successful themselves if they come along with you. And I think some people think it was like, oh, I'm the medical director, of course they're going to trust me now. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I've never had that experience really. I I do, I think that you can, I think people overestimate what being a manager or medical director does for them as far as getting people to change. Sure, And they, and they underestimate what they can do as a non positional leader Mm -hmm. you know they Mm -hmm. they underestimate the impact that they can have without a title and and i think that those i think that those things are are important so i I do i do like i do think that that is a good distinction are you a formal manager or not based on this letter i'm going to assume this person is not a formal leader just that they have they have a lot of they may have more experience than the other doctors but they're not coming in into a leadership a formal organizational leadership position
1: yeah i I do i agree And so I think for me, how do I start the conversation? Um, I I think the answer is you have to give it time because there is no there is no relationship, right? right. And so you're talking yep. about the the most effective way to lead from the middle is, is relational power. Yep. There is no relationship. You're a brand new doctor, you're new to this team. And if you're, you're asking this question before even taking a job, it's a great question to ask, but the answer could change dramatically once you get to know people. Right. And so that for me is, is a bit of the pickle here is I, I don't think yeah. you can, I mean you could walk right in the door and be like, I want to change this. How can we make this happen? I don't recommend I don't recommend, yeah, I, I don't recommend yeah, that. Don't, probably no. not, gonna go,
0: <laughs> yeah, probably no. not gonna go so well. <laughs> yeah. I, so so I agree with you on that. So so step one for me is this is a relationships are gonna be your biggest tool. So the first thing to do is just build relationships. Just meet people. Yeah. Just get to know them. Get to know what they care about. Get to know what their pains and their frustrations are. Don't do anything except figure out what bothers them and what is important to them and why do they do this job and what are the values of this practice? And you say, but I don't know what the values are. They're not written down anywhere. And I would say, what gets celebrated here? What gets positively reinforced here? Those those are the values. And so figure out what these people care about figure out what their pain point is and, and and people always say we know what their pain point is, they're working themselves to death and I say, but that may not be how they perceive right. their pain mm-hmm. their pain point might 100% be, we're not able to see all the pets, and if you go in and start talking about seeing fewer pets they're going to fight you, even though you're clearly trying to help them in your mind, uh, they're, they're freaking out because they're not seeing all the pets, and you're trying to talk to them about seeing less pets mm-hmm. um, that's a mistake What is the alternative? The alternative is to say, well, they care about seeing all the pets. You need to talk to them about resting and about being able to keep themselves up so they don't burn out. And uh, then they don't see any more pets. Yes. And that's how I approach that. It's not we're going to see fewer pets, but we're going to keep you healthier and, and keep you around here so you don't burn out and quit because that is the antithesis of seeing more of the bats and so anyway but you can't you can't take that approach if you don't know what they care about so (laughs) you've got the number one is you got to get to know them number two and this is really tied into that is start with why what is their why why are they doing this why are they working so hard why are they working the way that they're working is it because the doctors don't trust the technicians Mm -hmm. well then we need to we need to figure out how to get them to trust the technicians is it because they have never had any sort of a structure or a program and they just simply don't know how to not step on each other's toes. Like Mm -hmm. it's always been this way and just no one ever got organized and got consensus about what we're doing. Is it because the doctors all practice wildly different medicine? So we can't have a protocol. Those are all very different. They, They can all be addressed. None of them are snap your fingers easy, but they can all be addressed. But for God's sake, if you don't know which one is the number one cause then you're going to be over you know you're over there talking about you know what you care about and it's not even connecting to what other people are seeing or yeah. feeling so build the relationships and then figure out what their why is mm-hmm. and then when you start to talk to them talk about what your why is and your why should be them like it should be about compassion for them yes. it should it should not be i don't want to work this hard that's not motivating it should be I've never seen a place working as hard as you guys are working. And I'm worried about Mm you. And that feels very different than I don't want to work this hard.
1: I agree. You have to connect with them. And in order to do that, you have to know what matters to them. And you have to be able to frame your needs inside of what matters to them for this conversation to be most successful. And so I think it's important to lead with the fact once you've made that connection That they matter, right? Like right now, that's a potential. They could matter to you, but you're not even coworkers yet. So you can't say, I, you know, you matter to me, I care about you. You could say it, but it's going to come off as false if you don't have that relationship. So you have to take the time to connect to them and then you have to lead with with the why, right? Which yep. I, I think is a pretty obvious one. And you and you said it really well, like you don't want people to burn out, right? None of us want our yeah. colleagues to burn out. And so you can talk about that in so many different ways, but you have to be able to make that con- connection. And for me, the the second piece of how do you approach it comes with it the in between because getting to the place where you have the connection to them that's going to take time like you just yeah. you have to build the relationship you have to get to know each other and there are things that you can do to build relationships more quickly um mm-hmm. but it's still going to take getting to know each other in a little bit of time and so in the let's just hallucinate and say that you're really good at building relationships and yeah. it, you got to work with them i would think for at least probably a few weeks before you could start to maybe even broach the subject. Yeah. And so yeah. before you, you even
0: start to needle along. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like what do you do in those those first couple of weeks while you're doing that? And so to me the answer there goes, okay, you could lead by example. So if you've decided that this is the job you're going to take for whatever the reasons are, you don't have to work the same way that they are. You can lead by example. You can have a conversation with that technician and say, hey, I want to leverage your skills. I want to utilize you more. So when when we work together, I would like to work in this way. Is that okay with you? How does that work for you? You can you can then show them things and do things and try things and and say, hey guys, I've noticed that you do this this way. Tell me more about that because I'm used to doing it this way, and I would love to I would love to understand the why, right? You can start to poke at some of those things and lead by example, which goes directly to your point, Andy. Like what? <laughs> about the carpool line, Allie's going to do it her way. Yeah. And that's okay. And you're going to be okay doing it your way. And Jacqueline's on board with that. And when she's with you, she'll hop out of the car blocks away and be just fine. And when she's with Allie in the car, she's going to hop out of the car right at the school's door and she'll be fine with that too, right? It's that same thing with the rest of the team, the technician and the support staff. It's figuring out how do you lead by example while you're concurrently building those relationships,
0: I think. Yeah. So, okay. So I want to put a little framework on this. Okay, so we started off talking about what do we hope to accomplish? Like where strategically are we trying to go? And now I think with the last thing you just said, we have switched over into that's a great idea. That's a great plan where we're trying to go. How do we if we're taking this job? How do we tread water and not get sucked into the chaos that is mm-hmm. here? While we build that trust. And so I think you're exactly right. I think I think leading by example is a super positive thing. Uh, it's, it's a good way to go. I think uh, as I said at the beginning, I think a lot of us underestimate how much power we have as a non-positional leader. Mm-hmm. R- remember, remember your positive reinforcement, right? No one, people, people are always like, it's so funny. People are like, well, is it okay for me to give feedback? And I'm like, uh, positive feedback is always okay. Right. No one is going to say, <laughs> how dare you praise me for being good at something? Right. How dare you point out a success that I had? you know, and how impressed you were. How dare you? No one does that. It's just funny when we say, can I give feedback? What we mean is, can I give negative feedback? Right. And, yes. and that's how much we discount positive feedback is that when we say feedback, we mean negative feedback. And I go, no, you can 100% see the things that you like and praise them. And you can go ahead and start training your texts the way you want them to go mm-hmm. just by telling them what they do that you love right. and asking them if they'll do more of it and yep. telling them like how much of a difference it makes and say, hey, I love that you do this. Could I could I make a little request of you when you do it this way, which is awesome? Would you be willing to 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 make this modification, or would you be willing to, to try it this way? Because I love mm-hmm. what you're doing, mm-hmm. and you would, you would blow my mind if you, if you did it just just uh, if you did exactly what you're doing plus this one other step. That would that would you be willing to do that extra thing for me? It, it just makes a big difference, and that's it's all positive, it's all grateful, it's all thank you, you know, stuff. But man, you you can read with read with positive reinforcement, and the last thing that I say. And I think this because I think this is really important. Cause I said I'm gonna call a spade a spade here. And I'm not I don't wanna hand wave away this or act like, and then that's the answer, because that's often not how mm-hmm. this goes. This is mm-hmm. always hard. Um the best thing that you can do, and I say this especially to this writer because they have indicated that they are a senior doctor. And I don't know how you do this when you're a young doctor, but if you've been in the game 10 years, 20 years, um, you have a pretty good idea of what your boundaries are, or you should. Mm-hmm. You should know you should know what you're willing to do and what you're sure. not willing to do and and how you're willing to be contacted on the weekends and how you're not willing to be contacted or or if you're willing to be contacted. Like you should know those things, how how blood work is handled when on your days off and things like that. And so part of setting personal boundaries, if you want to set personal boundaries, you don't want to set them up when you're in the middle of a relationship, if you can help it. Right. The best way to set personal boundaries is to set them up at the very beginning Yeah, before, you know what I mean? Yeah. You set some boundaries before you go on your first date. And then they're a whole lot easier to enforce than trying to establish them later on in the relationship. And so being upfront about, hey, just asking the questions. It's not making demands. I would not be like, hey, and you're going to do this. And you're going to do that. But I would ask very pointed questions about how do you do this and how do you do that? And if I wanted to have a technician with me to do this thing, could I have that? And how right. would that be scheduled? And it's just asking those questions. So what's funny is a lot of people will say to me, but Andy, what if I ask these questions and just sort of say, you know, hey, I, I just need you to know, I'm, I'm not going to come in on my day off. And people go, you would say that like before, like at a job interview? And I'm like, yes, yes I would. And they were like, but what if you don't get the job? And I'm like, but what if I do get it and they make me come in on my day off? I, yes. don't want, I, yes. I would much rather not get started. I'll give you an example. I, um. So so when I moved to Greenville, it's, this has been a decade or more ago, I went to this practice and I was interviewing there. And I really liked this practice. They were a mixed animal practice, but I and I only do small animal. And uh, they said, great, you know, they said, we, we're mixed animal, and we know, and you don't do mixed animal. I said, yes, that's true. And they said, well... Would you be willing to take call because in order to have Mixed Animal, we do take call and the other doctors all take it. And so you would be seeing Mixed Animal on call. And I knew that I was doing, I mean, I was already traveling right. and speaking and right. doing all these things. And I had a young family. And guys, the truth is, and no sh- a shade on anybody, I'm not taking call. Like, right. I, I'm just I'm just sure. not. And and, yeah. and again, like, I don't. That was a need for you. Not, that's exactly right. Like, that's just where I was. And so I just said, no. You know, like if, like if if I said I would like to be here, I think this is great. I don't do mixed animal, and so I would not be able, I would not be able to be on call. Yeah. And I totally understand if that doesn't work for you guys, but but I just I just need to be honest up front about yeah. about what I need. And they still hired me. And whenever it came up, like why doesn't work take call? I said, I, I said at the job interview yeah. that I do not that I'm not doing it. And I and I have always said that. And and that yeah. was the deal when I came yeah. on. And, and I, again, I, and, and after, you know, a year or so, our, our clinic quit taking call. We quit doing mixed animal. We quit taking mm-hmm. call. I put that forward. It's because I wanted that job. I wanted that job, but I'm not. And, and every instinct in me was tell them you'll do it. Just tell them that, right. that, that right. you can, you'll take, you'll do it. You'll figure it out. If you, you'll shadow <laughs> another doctor and get it down <laughs> and up. And it just was me saying, no, no. Uh, you know, i I'm, I'm not going to do this and I'll I'll go find another the job if I if I have to and I understand it. if it doesn't and if it doesn't work, if you guys are going to be resentful because I don't take call then don't hire me because I don't want to be in a place where I'm going yes. to be resented but like I'm yep. just going to be open with you about what I want to do so anyway I I put that forward as far as personal boundaries the more of these things that you can set up not in a jerk way not in a make demand way ask questions so that you can open up the conversation and just say hey this is really where my lines are this is really what I need and if they say they're not going to hire you because you're not willing to, um, you know, to dance in the streets of crazy town, then then I uh, dodged God. a bullet, you know, you dodged <laughs> a bullet. Yeah, you, you, you it, just did. And, uh,
1: and that's the hard part, right, is that I, I get the sense from from our writer that they're that they may be in a position where they feel like they don't have another choice. And and that's OK. Like sometimes just calling that spade a spade and saying, like, look, right, right this second, I don't have a choice. So can, how if that's the case, how can I make the best the best out of this situation, and so you could have looked at that and said, "Right now, I I need this job. It feels like it fits. I will I will agree, concede, do on call in the short term. And in the back of my head, I know I'm going into this knowing that this is not going to work for me long term. Right? Like well, you could have done that. The other choice that our writer has is if they're if they're back, at, and sometimes that's okay. Like sometimes, like you guys, we're humans. Sometimes life throws curveballs at us, and sometimes. We are choosing between the lesser of two evils. And sometimes that's OK. Like it is OK to look at a job and and look at it with that level of impermanence and say right now, well, I have, you know, parents who are dealing with terminal illness and I need to be, you know, right yeah. near their near them for the next year, I am OK making that sacrifice. That is that is an OK thing to say. And that's a personal thing to have to decide if your back is not up against the wall that is where it goes back to that do your homework if there are things yeah. that matter to you as a doctor like when it comes to being a technician if you're like i i don't i don't feel comfortable doing these things i don't have the skill set to do these things you need to be asking those questions up front and i love that you said during the interview process andy because too many people wait until they've accepted the job and then start asking those questions and then they're disappointed and frustrated and so if there are boundary lines for you especially because the questions that this doctor has is about being a technician because the other doctors are working as a doctor and a tech because they're not utilizing the technician that they do have and their skill set I would ask those questions as part of the investigative process during the interview. Like, you know, do I have to answer on weekends when you call me? Do I have to, you know, can I take mm-hmm. a tech and ask them to do these things with skills that I would expect them to have? You know, if you're in a state where technicians, I'm going to just give an example. Like if you're in a state where technicians can do dental extractions and you're a doctor who normally lets your techs do it, if they have that skill set. You know, you should be asking that question because if their answer is hard no, you Mm -hmm. have to decide if that's a line in the sand boundary for you or not. Mm -hmm. And to your point, it is far better to know what those things are like on call, like answering your phone on the weekends, like not being able to utilize your text to do the things that they're allowed to do by the state's law. Whatever those boundaries are, it's far easier to have those conversations before you get into it. (laughs) been yep. already sign the contract not have your back be up against a wall get two or three weeks yep. in and be like I, this was the wrong choice
0: because you just yep. wasted your own time plus their time yep I, I completely agree and, and again that some of that here's some of that comes from experience right be, being a doctor who has Worked in a couple of places, and I don't even know. I don't even know if you can do that really well if you've worked in one place. I think you have to work at a couple of places and be like, okay, let see. The, I see General Variances. These are the questions I want to ask. Yes, but but what I would say on the flip side is, it's funny. It, both doctors and practices have this twisted idea that the point is to hire the other person, and I want to hire them. And the reality is, no, you want to understand the other person and make sure it's a good fit. And so. I think that a good practice asks those questions because it doesn't benefit anyone to get someone hired and then have them be angry or resentful or to refuse to play the game. And so if you're interviewing a young doctor, you should say, hey, just so you know, this is how we communicate with doctors on their day off, or this is the level of communication we expect with doctors when they're not in the hospital. Is that okay with you? Do you have how do you feel about that? Exactly right. And yep. people go, oh my god! Did you ask them that? I was like, yeah, because yeah. I'm sure as heck rather find out if we have a problem now, yeah. than you know when the, when they're on board. And again, that's that's you'll see a there's a lot of people who are so focused on getting. A doctor hired that they don't want to ask questions they might not like the answer to, and they I, promise the moon to the doctors, and then ultimately I don't know how that ends other than not well. You're gonna end, <laughs> not well, but I swear I'll to God you how it I so oh, well. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 but uh, but you you see what I'm saying there, right? Like yes. those practices are out there, and I go how do you, how does this how do you think this
1: is gonna end? I don't I don't know. And anyway, that's, I, that's the that's the most powerful lesson I learned in interviewing as as a manager. Um, and what you're talking about, Andy, there's a great um, story about the guy who founded Zappos and his culturally. Yeah. The idea was um, he would pay people during the interview and onboarding process to not take the job. And I remember I remember yeah. learning that story, and I remember the first time I heard it, and I thought that's. Like you're cra- why would you pay people to not take your job? Yeah. Aren't you trying to get people? And um, his his belief and the culture that he was creating at the company was, no, look, we we want to, to know who we are and we want to find people that are a fit for yeah. us. And I will tell you guys, that is the most powerful lesson that I ever learned as a manager when it comes to interviewing because the reality is my interview process now is dramatically different than it was when I started out as a manager as a result of learning that. And some painful lessons by making, making wrong hires along the way or giving into that. Oh my God, I need a body in a seat. And so let me just hire somebody. And every single time I regretted it. And now I have no problem asking those questions during the interview process. And, and I love teaching because to your point, Andy, like you, it's hard to learn that if you don't have the perspective of having worked in multiple places, because you don't know the grass is always greener, right? Like you don't know what's happening on the other side of the fence. And I love working with, uh, vet students and and talking to them about look these are questions that they should ask you but if they're not asking you the question you need to ask them because yeah. it's just as much about finding the right fit for you as it is for them trying to find the right fit for themselves yeah. as a clinic and so asking those questions I would far rather go through an interview process now as a manager and have somebody um, say to me. I'm thank you for your time. I don't think this is the right fit for me and mm-hmm. I have designed my interview process to be supportive of that because I would rather have that than have somebody take the job not have it be the right fit for them and you know go to lunch the second day and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I, I completely agree. I, I think that's a great analogy, Tony. Uh, Tony Shay, I think his yeah. name was, uh, th- and he he would offer people five thousand dollars. Yeah, I can't remember if it was to not take the job or if it was at ninety days to quit. To, it not, was take one the, to, to not take the job, I think. To not take the job. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, I'm I'm on board. So anyway, that's that's it. Uh, the big things to come back around to are uh, it's not impossible to go in the situation. It is very hard, and yes. I just want to be upfront about that. If you're going to do it. Um, set a plan that involves change over time, uh, realistic expectations, protect your peace, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just um, set good personal boundaries for yourself so you don't get sucked up into this. Get in there, start meeting people, figuring out what they care about, start building trust, and ask them about what's important to them and why they do things the way that they do. And that's going to give you the best opportunity to have these conversations and to make some changes. That's I all it. I got. Stephanie, anything to add to that? No, I love it. That's, that's it.
1: Uh, hopefully this was one of those ones where uh, the the trip to Camp Tough Love wasn't too painful, but yeah. this is a, this is another Camp Tough Love uh, because I think as a writer gave us the answer in their, in yeah. their questions, like you, totally. you can, you can impact change, but you cannot force this to happen
0: yeah well if nothing else in this episode i came up with the phrase dancing on the streets of crazy town which i i'm sorry i heard that coming out of my own mouth and i'm like this is this is gold i'm i'm gonna protect my peace from people dancing on the streets of crazy Town. i love it have a great week everybody take care everybody hey friends
1: have you been over to the website lately to check out all the fun and exciting things that are coming from the Uncharted Veterinary team? If not, you should stop right now and head over there because we have got some awesome stuff coming late summer and into the fall and winter. And I want you to be there with us. We have our Get Shit Done conference coming in the fall that is happening in October. Before that, we've got a workshop coming in September from my dear friend Dr. Phil Richmond. He's going to be talking about avoiding toxic teams, how to create psychological safety in our practices. We've got uh, the amazing and wonderful technician, Melissa Enchkin, who is leading a workshop in October about leveraging technicians, making practice less stressful for you, them, and your patients, and all kinds of other fantastic things you are not going to want to miss out on. So if you haven't been over there lately, head on over to unchartedvet.com. You can hit forward slash events if you want to go straight to the events page, but that will show you everything that is coming. And remember, if you're an Uncharted member, your membership gets you access to all of these workshops that we do on a regular basis for free. And if you are not currently a member, you can check out the membership information because it will save you big bucks throughout the year on accessing all of the workshops. And it scores you access to the conferences when we have them like Get Shit Done for less money. That's right. Get a discount. And who doesn't love a good discount? Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you soon.